Hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest. But as always, we want to give a shout out to our partners, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, the Florida Coaches Coalition, We Coach, and Vital Signs Wall of Fame. These are four great organizations. You really should add them to your network. And now don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for the next three minutes. Listen to our sponsorship shout outs. These are all great companies and vendors that I used as a coach or an AD. You should be using them too. Here we go. We want to start off by thanking Home Campus for their support. Home Campus is our exclusive state management and high school athlete clearance platform. It's also your one-stop for scheduling, um, athletic registration, and a lot more. As an athletic director, I used home campus every single day, and it was just great. And the home campus staff was great to work with, too. To find out more about how you can start using home campus at your school, all you have to do is go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Go to gipper.com. They're going to show you how to create world-class marketing content for your school's social media channel. You can do it in seconds on any device. Start celebrating your teams, promote your athletes and your program, and use Gipper. Mention the podcast, you'll get a nice little discount. Gipper's used by over 3,000 high school and college programs across the country, and it's so easy, even I can use it. Go to gipper.com to get started. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing. Hometown is the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges, and it's because Hometown Ticketing offers more, more support, more security, more customization. Go to hometownticketing.com to get started. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Vital Signs Wall of Fame. They're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products. If you're looking for a cool way to display your school record boards for all the teams, for all the sports, or your school's Hall of Fame, or just tell more compelling stories, Vital Signs Wall of Fame will help you. Mention the podcast, you'll get a nice discount. VitalSignsWallOfFame.com. We also want to thank Huddle. Go to Huddle.com and change the way you see the game. Uh, as a football coach, I used Huddle for years, but when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school. And our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids at their highest level. Huddle was a complete solution. And if you go to huddle.com, you're going to see why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to thank Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com and check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, stop. SnapRaise, hands down, the best you can use. They even have a program where they'll give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. Nobody else does that. They also have Snap Connect, Snap Manage, Snap Store, and a whole lot more. You'll find it all at SnapRaise.com. We want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive indoor score tables and video boards. Go to SidelineInteractive.com. Check out their great products and schedule a live web demo to see their scoreboards and their score tables in action. You'll find it all 
at sidelineinteractive.com. Check them out today. We also want to say thank you to District 1. Go to district1.com. That's W-O-N. And you're going to feel like you've won when you see their custom uniforms, their on-time delivery, and their one-at-a-time replacement program. You'll never have to buy a full set of uniforms again when you just need one or two replacements. Go to district1.com. Click on the Team Gear button and get your free quote. That's district1.com. We also want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Go to athleticsurveys.com, and they're going to show you how they can create a custom survey that lets you take the pulse of your parents and your student-athletes. Athletic directors already hear back from the 2% that want to gripe and complain about everything. Athletic Surveys will connect you with that 2%, but they'll also connect you with the 98% that love and support your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking with a frustrated parent, your principal, or your school board. You get started by going to athleticsurveys.com. That's athleticsurveys.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational 80 Podcast. We're going to Illinois today, and we're going to be visiting with Tim Jackson. Tim is the Director of Athletics at Richmond Burton Community High School, and that's in Richmond, Illinois. We were connected by a mutual friend, the great Rebecca Carr, uh, Illinois Athletic Director, and uh, we're excited to hear what Tim has to share. But first, Tim, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Really excited to, to share a little bit about our school. Well, you and I were speaking before uh, we started recording. It's summertime uh, for our listeners. We're recording this on July 18th, so it's going to be very timely when you're listening to it. Uh, it is summer, and Tim's uh, you know knee-deep in all those summer activities that an athletic director has, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Tim, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests, so give us that quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up. Uh, maybe take us up through your own college years and then we'll take our first break and then come back and hear about your early career so what's the tim jackson origin story um i grew up um in lake zurich which is a, a northwest suburb of chicago so i actually was born in the city and then my family moved out to the suburbs um when i was you know very very young i'm the i'm the oldest of four boys so the house was uh always busy. There was always something going on, always uh, somebody to cause some trouble with, which was always a lot of fun. Um, I grew up, um, I played uh, baseball, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of soccer. Um, growing up, um, I, I have a, a probably a unique background um, with athletic directors in that it, you really, really, really would have to do a deep dive um, to find my uh, athletic prowess and my, you know, my, my glory years, because there really weren't many. Um, I, I loved playing baseball, uh, growing up, but unfortunately I wasn't very good. Um, so I, you know, I played little league growing up, um, and then got to high school and I, I went to a high school that had a really, really strong baseball program. I think when I was a senior, I think every kid that started, that started for the baseball team when I was a senior ended up playing college baseball. And I think there were probably five or six kids that played division one ball, a couple of kids that played, that played in the pros. So I was, I was not going to make that team. So uh, I, I didn't really, I wrestled a little bit 
in in high school, but my I how I got into athletics and involved in athletics um, in the high school in, when I was in high school was uh, through officiating and through coaching um, youth baseball in the community. So I, you know, I I every athlete knows their playing career ends at some point, and my my career was ending at a at a pretty young age just because of talent and you know there wasn't as much club and travel stuff around for high school kids when I, you know, 25 years ago. So I um, started officiating umpiring when I was in seventh grade and did that all through, uh, you know, high school and college and also got involved through umpiring with some, some of the guys that ran the, the uh, youth baseball organization in my hometown and, and helped coach um, in high school and college in the summer. And, uh, you know, that was it. That's kind of how I, I got involved in sports and, you know, I, family the curse of my family is that we are uh uh chicago bears season ticket holders since uh before i was born so it's a, both a blessing and a curse so pretty much every uh conversation at the dinner table growing up was always about sports uh you know when i met my wife and brought her home to dinner for the first time we were talking about uh i think white Sox spring training and my mom looked at my girlfriend at the time and now is my wife and she said, do you talk about anything other than sports? Because that's all I've been hearing for, for 25 years. So um, that's kind of my story. Wow. Uh, well, uh, good for you, you know, starting out early in the officiating role. Uh, you know, I still, you know, I, I'm retired, but I've done it for years. I'm still a high school basketball referee and I do middle school games too. But uh, uh, that's great. Any... Um, uh, any stories to share from those youth officiating days? You know, we, we hear about those horror stories. I've never really had a horror story as an official, but uh, anything that you can share? Yeah, I, I have some, some good, some bad, depends on, on what the, the rating on this podcast is. But, um, you know, it, the, the story that comes to mind, I, I had, you know, because it, it started, when I started officiating, it was all small town, local, you know, little league type stuff. So I, you know, most of the coach, you know, it wasn't a, a huge community. So I knew a lot of the, the coaches, they were either my friend's parents or my, you know, family friend's parents or my brother's parents or even former coaches of mine. Um, and there was one incident that, um, you know, sticks out of my mind where, you know, they, you know, they talk about the officiating shortage now. There's always been a it's really bad now, but there's always an officiating shortage. And I, had, you know, I remember I was supposed to uh, do a game at, you know, in, in the, like, I think probably at like noon or one o'clock. And I was, I think going to my freshman year of high school, I got a call that whoever was supposed to do the game in the morning, wasn't able to do it. We need you to come and do the, you know, start early. And I didn't have a, a ride. So I had to ride my bike to the, to the complex and, you know, which wasn't very close. And so I drove, you know, drive my bike there. I'm like, Oh, I could be sleeping. And it, you know, it's like 90 degrees. And I'm going to be out there again. And this is going to be awful. So I do the game, had to do the game by myself. You know, you know, I think it was probably 10, 10 year old baseball. And there was a play at first base where I called the kid. I think I called the kid safe. And he was probably out, you know, 30 years later, but whatever. Anyway. Um, and the coach just goes, you know, comes completely unhinged. He, you know, he was the, the father of one of my, my brother's buddies. And, you know, I had known him for a long time and, you know, he's yelling and screaming. And then of course the run comes around the score and, that's why they lost the game. And he's, you know, he's following me to the concession stand and yelling and screaming at me. And it, like, 
and I'm 14 years old. And I'm just like thinking like, like, God, I could still be sleeping. I, was, I wasn't even supposed to do this game. And yeah, I guess my point is that, you know, I diffused the situation and it kind of became a legendary story in the community. But I, the, I still think back to those days and the, the, the conflict resolution that I learned as a 14-year-old, as a having this adult yell and scream at me and, again, it was inappropriate and is what it is. But I learned to de-escalate when, you know, when, uh, when someone was upset at me and it was something that, that, that those skills that I learned at, at, you know, 14, 15 years old are something that I still unfortunately had to, had to deal with today. Now, they're not yelling and screaming at me and I have a little bit more authority than I did when I was, when I was a, uh, a high school kid. But it, it definitely gave me a sense of like, you know, I'm not going to let people walk all over me and, and I'm the person in charge. So it, it, it. I would say that those experiences that were extremely formative to me. Wow. Uh, great. Uh, you know, uh, frontline training there yeah. as a 14 year old. Uh, and, and again, you know, parents, fans, whatever, whatever category it is, you know, following any official, but particularly a 14 year old off the floor, off the field, whatever, uh, you just, you just got to question that it, person's it, intelligence. Yeah. Have you it, ever, it, uh, have you ever had occasion to come across that dad? So, uh, so again? to circle back, the irony in it, and, and again, it, it, you know, years later, um, God, had to be, because I was at a bar, so it was, you know, it was, uh, had to be at least 10 years later. The individual saw me, and, and we were able to laugh about it, and he bought me a drink and apologized, and, you know, it, it but it, you do remember those things and, and they happen. So, and unfortunately they, they happen more than they should. And, and we as ADs need to figure out how to stop it from happening. And, and in hindsight, um, you know, it, it, you know, there probably were some steps that could have been taken, you know, prior to, um, you know, him getting up and following me up at the concession stand. So I was trying to get my Gatorade and, you know, there was another coach that stepped in and, and tried to de-escalate the guy. And you always got to thank the people that that took that, you know, took those necessary steps to protect the guy that is really just trying to try and earn a buck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're going to take a break, but we're going to revisit, you know, the officiating thing later in the podcast. Uh, for our listeners, our guest today is Tim Jackson. He's the director of athletics at Richmond Burton Community High School, and that's in Richmond, Illinois. Uh, as I said, we're going to take our first break, but we're coming back with more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Home Campus, which is the exclusive high school and state association information management platform for the podcast. It's also your one-stop platform for scheduling, student-athlete eligibility and clearance, and a whole lot more. As an athletic director, I used Home Campus every single day. And you should too. To find out more about how easy it is to use Home Campus, just go to homecampus.com. That's homecampus.com. We also want to thank Gipper for their support. Go to gipper.com, start creating custom content for your school's social media channel. Mention the podcast and you'll get a nice little discount. Start celebrating your teams, promoting your program. And use Gipper, as I like to say, it's so easy, even I can use it. That's Gipper.com. Check them out today. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Tim, you uh, kind of took us up through those uh, college years, uh, you know, kind of uh, developing and nurturing that love for athletics as an official, although, you know, had some hairy moments. Um, take us through your journey post-college. You know, what were some of the positions that you held that led to you becoming the athletic director at Richmond Community? Sure. Um, I had, uh, you know, always obviously wanted to coach baseball. Um, you know, I had wanted to become a teacher, so I taught social studies um, and always knew that I wanted to coach. And I, you know, I always was was hesitant because I wasn't sure, like, okay, are they going to let me do this because I didn't play at a high level? Like, I always wondered, like, are they going to want some guy that didn't, you know, play high school baseball to coach high school baseball? Right? My, my logic on it was like, hey, look at the NFL and look at Major League Baseball. There's lots of head had had NFL coaches that didn't play in the NFL and there's lots of managers that didn't play in major league. So maybe, maybe I could pull this off. Uh, so I took a volunteer position when I was student teaching um, at Crystal Lake South um, and, and helped out on the lower levels there um, when I was student teaching and, and really enjoyed it. Obviously I didn't get paid, but kind of got my, my first taste of, of uh, being an assistant coach. And then I got my, my first teaching job in Huntley, which is uh, in our county, but kind of on the other side of the county. Um, but the guy at this point is 20 years ago. Um, and they had an opening on the baseball staff. And I interviewed my first year and, and was selected and was like the freshman assistant, basically. And then um, there was some shakeup on the staff. There was a new head coach um, after my first year. And he hired me to be the head freshman coach. Um, and I was lucky enough to have my first, the first time, my first team was by far my most talented team I, I ever coached. I had a real special group of kids. Um, and because the, the head coach was new and the whole staff was new um, and I was in the building and he, he probably knew me the best. He, he had confidence in me. He, he didn't bring any of, the, any of the freshmen up to the sophomore level. Um, that year. And so I had a really talented group of kids that loved baseball. They won a lot of the games, had a lot of fun. Um, I think we were 21 and six. And I thought I was like Tony LaRusa because I, you know, here I am with all this, all these talented kids and I'm winning all these games. And then the next year, um, you know, the staff turned over at the sophomore level and he brought up, he hired one of his, you know, a guy he knew and he started bringing some more kids up and the class wasn't as talented. And then I think we went like, eight and 18 and all of a sudden i was like oh well maybe i'm i'm not as good as a coach as i thought it was because <laughs> i didn't have any talent um but i you know at that at that stop at at huntley i i worked under uh andy jagabowski who's a hall of fame baseball coach um in illinois um and i i kind of he was the first head coach that i worked with and i thought okay this is how you run a program this is how it's done he was highly organized and, you know, had a program philosophy and how practice should be run and, you know, common drills and something that I just hadn't seen before. Um, I worked for him for two years um, as the freshman coach and then moved on to a, a, a different district, a little bit closer to home um, in Round Lake, um, which was different in that I, again, was hired as a, as a lower level coach at, at that school. And it was very different and it was a community where, it wasn't really a baseball community. Crystal Lake and Huntley were big time baseball communities. Both of them, you know, just in the last couple of years have 
have won state trophies um, in in our you know our highest classification level. Round Lake, um, love the community. I spent 14 years there. Um, is not doesn't have a real strong baseball background, and and, and I was hired as a freshman coach, uh, teaching. You know, I my team. I'd have a lot of kids that had never played competitive baseball in their life. Uh, coming out for baseball, playing against, you know, some of the best programs in the Midwest, um, which was highly challenging. So I had to um, redefine what kind of what coaching is, where when I was at Huntley, you know, I was, oh, I'm preparing you for, you know, for the varsity and, you know, I'm coaching a, a future college, future college baseball player. And now I'm in Round Lake and um, the kids never played baseball before. I had to, you know, really break the sport down. Um, and, and really learn the basics and um, use it as a way for the kid to connect to the school. Uh, we had um, some kids that, you know, that were, you know, from, from backgrounds where they had never experienced organized athletics before. So we had to uh, teach them, you know, how to be an athlete, you know, wh when to show up to practice. And that experience um, drove me towards wanting to get even more involved um, with athletics at a, at a larger scale. Um, shortly at, um, sh shortly during my, after I came to Round Lake, we had a new athletic director um, who kind of took me under his wing. Uh, I'll give him a shout out. His name is Mike Mizwicki. Um And he had just taken over the athletic director position. It was his second, or second, his second year, or my second year was his first year, I think. For me, it was my third year. I don't remember. A long time ago. But anyway, um, I was going through a master's program at the time, and I needed internship hours, and Mike needed help in the office because things were very chaotic. The, the guy that had left had left things in a bad spot, and Mike needed help, and I needed hours for my internship, and Mike put me to work in the athletic office. And I, I sometimes say I started an internship in – 2011 and I don't think the internship ever actually stopped. I think I just got the master's degrees, but still kept showing up. Um, and Mike kept putting me on the schedule to be in the office. He's after my internship ended, he figured out a way to make my duty in off periods in the athletic office. So I kind of sort of became one of his assistants. Um, and I learned a lot from him on how to run an athletic program. And I also, learned a lot from him in terms of like what high school athletics should be about. It should be about connecting kids to school and giving kids experiences that they can do um, throughout life and, and figuring out a way to, to stay involved. And I use that as a, as a formative way to become who I am as an educator. And after working with him, I had this idea that like, okay, I'd like to run an athletic pr program myself one day. So how do I get there? Um, and, and having this sort of non-traditional background where I wasn't a head coach, I didn't have a highly decorated uh, college athletic experience, I, you know, I knew I had, would have to take probably an unconventional path towards where I wanted to be. So, you know, I, I became a dean of students, but kind of kept the assistant athletic director position as well, and then went over to a middle school in the district. The middle school athletic director position as well, and then ended up back at the high school and was a high school assistant principal. And then I worked the other, so I was the assistant principal that oversaw the deans and student services and student support. 
and then there was a guy that that oversaw the department chairs and curriculum and instruction and at a fairly large at round lake at a fairly large suburban high school 2200 kids so there was basically you know we were two of the assistant principals that ran the building um and then that guy the ap is curriculum instruction mike baird at round lake left during covid like the covid year 2020 to be the principal at richmond burton and so he left i stayed at round lake and then the next year the ad position opened up at richmond burton and i kind of looked at it and said okay here's your chance you know richmond burton is unique in that you know we are a 520 student high school in an area with you know lots of very large high schools you know we're small so i was like well maybe you know maybe a smaller school would give me a a chance to do this when they, you know a bigger school might not because you know they're they might you know they might be able to they're going to have you know their sitting head coach and i was like well mike knows me i've worked with him before um maybe he'd give me a chance and it worked out and that's how i ended up here you know um i always love to hear the journeys that uh that we all take and you make a very strong point. I think a lot of uh, you know young ADs they come out of college and they want to be an AD right away, and they don't understand that it's these steps, these experiences that you talked about, particularly the internship, you know, volunteering and getting that um, you know hands-on experience at events, you know, working with and uh, underneath an athletic director that gives you that practical experience that you're, you're not going to find in a master's course and you're not going to find as a head coach, you know, as a head coach, you're focused on that team and you really don't have that global perspective that uh, an athletic director or an assistant athletic director or an intern athletic director is going to have. So, you know, great, uh, great job. And it probably, you know, has made you the AD that you are today. We're going to take another quick break. Uh, we're visiting today with Tim Jackson. He's the athletic director at Richmond Burton Community High School in Richmond, Illinois. Uh, we're coming back with more, so please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing for their support of the podcast. Go to hometownticketing.com. Hometown's the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. And the team at Hometown, they're not only going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online, how to collect your revenue, that's important. They're also going to provide you with a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support every step of the way. And Hometown's not just for athletic events. You can sell online tickets for things like school plays, uh, concerts, school dances, even graduation. You'll find it all at hometownticketing.com, digital ticketing that offers more. We want to thank Vital Signs Wall of Fame for their support. If you're looking for a really cool way to display your school record boards for all your teams, for all the events, or your school's Hall of Fame, go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their interactive touchscreen video consoles. It's a great way to showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. Mention the podcast you'll get a nice little discount. VitalSignsWallOfFame.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're visiting today with Tim Jackson, the athletic director at Richmond Burton Community High School in Illinois. 
Tim, uh, one segment that I really like is where we have our guests uh, share their journey with their state association and with the NIAAA. We're all at different points. Uh, so where are you at with your uh, state association and NIAAA journey? Sure. Um, you know, this is I'm entering my third year um, as the as an athletic director. So um, I joined the IADA uh, my first year as an AD. Um, so I guess this would be entering my third year as an IADA member. And we are we're a dual membership state, so we're also a member of the NIAAA. Um, I attend. We we do. They do uh, monthly meetings. Uh, check-in meetings. I think it started during COVID um, that are virtual. I attend virtually all those. Um, they do a, a PD series. Um, Rebecca Carr does a, she organizes monthly PD sessions and I've attended a handful of those and they've been, they've been, uh, you know, very helpful. They're topical, they're short. Uh, I mean, they're usually um, by presented by sitting ADs, which is for me is always helpful when it's somebody that's, that's sat in the chair that, that I'm sitting in. Um, and then I also every year attend the, the state the state conference in Peoria, which is always held uh, the usually the last week last weekend in April, the first week in May. I forget, but those are great ways to not only uh, get to know other ads across the state, but also just to learn about what other schools are doing. You know, both in state and all over the Midwest and all over the country, because we all tackle the same issues you know obviously every school is different but we deal with the same problems and and are you know maybe in a different way um it's also been helpful for me um to connect with other smaller school athletic directors um one thing that is unique about where we are located i mentioned this in the previous segment is you know we're a 550 student high school but other than the handful of schools in our conference most of the other schools around us are more than twice our size. So it makes, you know, the job difficult in that the, the, the AD job at a 550 student high school is way different than the AD job at a 2,500 student high school. Uh, so just being able to connect with some uh, colleagues that are in a similar situation where, you know, they're, they're running an athletic program um, for a smaller school has been very helpful um, just because sometimes, you know, if you, you know, reach out to your colleague and then, you know, a couple of communities over and they, you know, hey, hey, how do you handle the situation? Well, I got, you know, my assistant does that or my one of my three secretaries does that or I have uh, this facilitator like, oh, well, that'd be nice. It's really just me and my secretary who's great, but it's really just the two of us that that run this show and that, you know, and, and so that's been helpful to make those professional connections for sure. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Uh, and most of my career was at smaller private schools as well. And uh, I would always, uh, you know, tease my colleagues, <clears throat> some who were great friends that worked at, you know, great big public high schools. I would say, you know, if the two of us had to switch roles, I think we'd both be okay. But I, I think I would probably have an easier job because you know, you're going to be doing a lot of stuff at my school that you're not used to doing. So, you know, Absolutely. Uh, Tim, you mentioned um, during the break that you had taken recently taken the uh, LTI uh, 508, the hazing course. And that's certainly in the news these days, you know, with, you know, Northwestern and other places as well. 
what are some things that maybe you learned from that course or what are some things that you do right now at your school to help make sure that those challenges don't pop up for you and your coaches? Yeah. I mean, obviously it, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to talk about it, but it does come up and, you know, what we do here and what, what I did actually in the spring was we have a, I started this year, a, um, student leadership group where I had that each program pick three or four kids and we ran them through some, some leadership training. I did it in conjunction with a couple of my head coaches um, during the kids lunch period, which was, which was awesome to be able to sort of get some common language going and, and just kind of get everybody together and talk about things that are going on. And we specifically did a hazing anti-hazing training um, with our leadership group in May. Um, and unfortunately, Illinois has had some pretty high profile cases just in this immediate area uh, that have popped up in the last 10 or 15 years. So we were able to pull those you know, news stories and share them with the kids and describe what happened and then also describe you know, what happened to the students and also to the staff members um, you know, who were unfortunately you know, held responsible for what happened. Um, obviously, we being able to to help the coaches and the kids understand, you know, the distinction between oh, it's a that's a that's a program tradition, you know, that's something that shouldn't be going on, and no different than you know in the classroom, you know, when you say oh, well, we've always done it this way, or oh, we've always done this, and nobody's ever said anything about it, you know, making sure that you know, hey, like that's not okay, we shouldn't be doing it. And just because nobody's ever said anything or just because we've never gotten in trouble for it doesn't mean that it should be happening. So making sure that we have, you know, an open and honest communication with our kids. And I think in my experience in these situations is that the, the steps you need to take is you need to make sure that everything is monitored and make sure your locker rooms are monitored. And make, But the other piece is you need to communicate to your kids what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and making sure that you have a, a culture where this is not something that's not tolerated and something that where the kids aren't going to think, oh, well, the adults are going to think it's okay, or we're going to, you know, maybe we're not going to do this on, you know, on campus, but we'll do it off campus and, and, you know, it'll be okay. Making sure that, that you have open communication and you build relationships with kids. So if something does come up and something is happening, it is reported and you can address it and make sure it doesn't spiral out of control, I think is the most important thing that you can do. Um, and just for me personally, I, I think, you know, we need having building this coalition of kids and having this sort of revolving door of student leaders in your programs, they're the ones that are going to tell you. The kids are the ones that know that these things happen and are going to be the ones that are going to say, hey, you might want to look into this. This happened and, you know, you don't want, you know, one isolated incident to end up evolving into something where, where kids are being put at risk and, and, you know, you also have the liability issue in your own personal career. You don't want it to be a, a career ender for your coaches or for yourself as well. Right. And you bring up two very good points. Um, the relationships have got to exist between the AD and the coaches, between the coaches and the kids, and of course, the athletic director and the students. You got to build those relationships. And you also, you mentioned it, you have to be intentional. You have to talk about these things. Um, you know, this is how we roll. This is not acceptable. And then follow through 
when those kids, uh, you know, bring something to your attention. Very important. Thanks for mentioning that. Tim, we'll do this at the end of the podcast, but if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain a little bit, maybe about organizing student leadership or, or just anything at all, what's the best way they can get a hold of you? Sure. Um, this, via email is probably the best way. Jackson at rbchs.com uh, would be the best way to, to get a hold of me. Um, you could also pick up the phone and give me a call. My office number is 815-678-4525. Probably the best best way to go at it. All right. And again, we'll do that at the end of the podcast if you didn't get that. Our guest is Tim Jackson. He's the athletic director at Richmond Burton Community High School in Illinois. We're going to take another break, but we're coming back. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. When I was a football coach, I used Huddle for years, and it was just fantastic. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school, and our coaches just loved the tools that Huddle provided that allowed them to coach our kids at the highest level. Go to huddle.com and see why we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users. Find out how to turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to thank our friends at Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms designed to help you as an athletic director do your job better. If you're looking for a fundraising platform, just stop. Go to snapraise.com. It's the best out there. They even have a program where they'll give you your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. But there's a lot more. You've got Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage. You'll find them all at snapraise.com. That's snapraise.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to our visit with Tim Jackson. Uh, from Richmond Burton High School. Tim, one of the things we try to do with this podcast is the idea of sharing best practices. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some things that you do at your school that you're particularly proud of that you would put in that category of best practices? Uh, one thing that that we do here, and, and I, we're not unique, I'm not like, you know, inventing the wheel here, but we have a, a connection where our student, we get our kids into the building at a very young age um, in summer camps. So we offer a youth camp, I think for pretty much every sport um, for kids at the elementary level and get them excited, you know, with the Rockets, get them excited about being the, being a rocket at a very young age. So um, our, you know, we have a, a very strong tradition here um, in football and we have a, a, a youth football program, the Comets, and, you know, we have Comet Night at our first home football game um, every year, and I think every little kid in the entire community of Richmond and Spring Grove, which are our two feeder communities, I, I think every kid that lives in the two communities come here, because there seem to be, like, a million little kids here um, every year, and they, you know, we, they do, we do a parade of athletes where they have their jersey on, and walk along the track as the team is, is warming up and it gives those kids a real strong connection to like, Hey, this is cool. When I, when I come to school here, I'm going to play on the field and I'm going to be a rocket. So 
that's really neat. We do it with basketball. We've done it with, uh, with, with volleyball. We've done it with, uh, baseball and softball. And it's, you know, the, it, the kids get excited to be a part of what we're doing before they're even here. So when they come here, it's like, they're, they're finally, Oh, now I finally get to, to put on the rocket uniform and, and have a strong connection um, to my school. So that, that part, not unique, but it's something that I think has we've had, we have a lot of success here where we've you know we have a lot of you know a lot of really strong programs and I think that helps. The other piece that that we have is our, our coaches do a really good job of working with with youth coaches in the community on teaching the the, the core things that that they believe. So you know they're not walking in on day one at practice. You know, at freshman practice and the kids don't know anything or don't know any sort of thing that the program philosophy. So that, that is helpful. Um, I mentioned uh, the leadership program that we started last year. That's another thing that I think we, we are doing very well. It's new. Um, but I, you know, I think that's something that can really add to what we do. Um, the other piece that, that I think is, is unique to what we do is, is some student recognition pieces. You know, you see a lot of, um, you know, signing days and uh, out there and we do signing day a little bit differently. And then we try to personalize it a little bit more for the kids specifically because we're small. And again, this is something that I can get away with because of the size that we are, where I realized if I was at a bigger school and you had 35 kids that were signing letters of intent, you wouldn't be able to do this. But, you know, we do an individual signing day for each kid. So, you know, if, you know, we, we bring the kid in, do an individual ceremony, they can invite anybody that they want. So if they want to invite grandma, if they want to invite their club coach, if they want to invite, we even let kids, sometimes the teachers don't like it. We even let their teammates come out of class and come down and, and take pictures um, with the kids for signing day. And it's something that um, we try to make it as unique and personal for the kids as we can um, just because we think it's such a cool accomplishment for a kid to, to go on and play at the next level. You know, and, and, you know, we always tell the kids, you know, Hey, like you never know when, when your career is going to be over, keep playing for as long as you can until somebody says stop. So we want to encourage that as much as we can. Boy, you, you were taking me back. We did exactly the same thing. We were a K through 12 school. Most of the school is, I was at, uh, and we would have, um, either uh junior or mini uh in front of our mascot junior crusader mini falcon uh for our summer sports camp and it's, you're absolutely right we'd end the camp with the kids taking a picture uh with one of our athletes who was the coach and also uh wearing uh the sport jersey whatever we happen to have uh to start that branding yeah. early on, you know, the, great stuff. Yeah. There was a, there was last, I think it was this past school year. We, it was a neat picture that got followed around social media that somebody showed me was, you know, we had some softball girls that had, you know, they had played together since they were probably in kindergarten and they had taken a picture together in our dugout at some point when they were in elementary school. And it picture was taken and then they re you know, you've seen this before where they recreate the picture right. on senior night. And so we saw the pictures right next to each other. And it was just neat to see the kids were all there and you could see even in the picture from whatever it would have been 10, 12 years ago, 
the personalities in the kids were exactly the same. You saw the one girl off the side, kind of like annoyed that, that the picture was being taken. She was just, you know, she's the same same way that she is now. A great kid, but you can just tell it was it was pretty funny. Yeah. Oh no, those those are great. Yeah. I I love that. It's great to be able to document that yeah. history. Uh, you know, very cool stuff. There's there's an idea, listeners, that uh, you know, in good athletic director fashion, you can steal from uh, from Tim. Um, once again, our our guest today, Tim Richmond. Uh, excuse me, Tim Jackson, uh, and he's the athletic director at Richmond Burton Community High School. Uh, we're going to take another break, but we're coming back. Uh, this is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Sideline Interactive for their support. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo to see their indoor scoring tables and video boards in action. Probably one of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Score Table. Of course, we use it for home games, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. Their products are tremendously versatile, and their customer service is just outstanding. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule that demo. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thank you to District 1. Go to district1.com, that's W-O-N, and you're going to feel like you've won when you see their custom uniforms, their on-time delivery, and their one-at-a-time replacement program. You're never going to have to order a full set of uniforms again when you just need one or two replacement pieces. Go to district1.com, click on the team gear button, and get your free quote. That's district1.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Uh, Tim, you and I were talking during the break, and you've got something that you're passionate about. So let's go and explore this a little bit more. Um, you know, what do you want to share with our listeners right now? So I mentioned this in the early uh, first segment about just my background in officiating. And, you know, I, I, I could, if I had to guess, I'd say I probably umpired between a thousand and 2000 baseball games in, in my life. Um, and, you know, we're at a crisis point, at least in, in, in my area in, in Illinois. And I know it's, it's not unique across the country in terms of officiating, in terms of the number of officials that we have. And, you know, I think there's lots of reasons for that. Um, probably could have a whole podcast on, on why we don't have enough officials um you know we don't pay them enough um there's too many games being played um in lots of sports at the youth level um and maybe at the high school level um but a lot you know one thing that 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 we as athletic administrators can control is you know how how we treat officials you know when they come to our school we can't always control how the fans treat the officials but we can you know draw a line in the sand um in terms of how officials are treated and make sure that that sportsmanship is emphasized in because in the end you know we have already in illinois had to make some very painful choices um in terms of moving games around we have you know we, we're going to have football games this year that aren't played on friday night and that breaks my heart because we don't have enough officials and 
it, it's not getting better. The, the officials are getting older. They're retiring. They decide they don't want to do it anymore and, unless people are signing up. So we need to, to do something to get more people to officiate. And I think there's, it's, a, it's a two-pronged approach. We need to be better about uh, recognizing bad behavior and addressing it and not tolerating it. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm sure there's been times when I should have addressed things that I didn't. Um, I try my best to, when I think something is inappropriate, to address it with the individual. Um, I, I, before I was an a administrator, I was a social studies teacher and I taught government. And I was an AP government teacher. And I, you know, the famous Supreme Court Justice Nicholas Potter Stewart that said about pornography, well, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. To me, that's inappropriate behavior towards an official. Like you should know, if you think it's inappropriate, it probably is, and you should address it with the individual. Um, and one way that, that, that I found, you know, there's, there's the immediate thing that is, okay, everybody knows that's appropriate. The guy's swearing, the guy's approaching the official after the game. You need to address that. You need to, 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 that's, that's, you know, what you earn your salary for. You need to make sure that doesn't happen. But there's also things that you can do, you know, to get ahead of it and say things, something at parent night, and make sure that you make it a point of emphasis um, with your coaches to talk to their parents about their parent night. Um, the other piece that I've done in the past is if I have someone that is, is being an issue and it's sort of like a persistent thing where I notice they are, an issue at every game or they were, you know, I, they were an issue at Valley at volleyball with the officials all fall. And I never said anything. And then in, after the second basketball game, I was raping about the officials at basketball. Okay. Now I need to say something. Cause if I don't do anything like the guy's just going to keep doing it over and over and over again. So I think sometimes the best way to go about that guy or, or mom, sometimes it's the moms, but usually it's the dads. Um, is to rather than address it in the moment when they're frustrated, call them the next day and say, Hey, I've noticed this at the games. Have you noticed it? Do you even know that you're doing this? And that piece in the suggestion that I've had for some of those sort of the sort of passive aggressive, almost one most more annoying people is you tell them, Hey, I get that you can't you're going to tell me you can't help yourself. Don't sit in the front row, sit in the back, sit all the way at the top of the bleachers. And, and if you want to muddle, comments to yourself about the officials, nobody can hear you. But, you know, what we allow is what we tolerate. And what we tolerate is what we think is okay. So addressing the, the behavior of the fans is is really important. And, and officials notice, they do. I've had officials come up to me and say, hey, at least you tried. You know, maybe you didn't do anything, but at least you tried. The other piece, I think, in, in terms of really addressing the issue is getting more people to officiate. And I think I can just use my own experience as an example is that every year, you know, I, in the last segment, I talked about the college athletes, you know, signing letters of intent. We have kids that, that spend their life playing sports to go on to college. And there's, there's a very small percentage of that, that do that. There's also a large percentage of kids that really like sports and like playing sports that aren't going to play in college. And you know what college kids need? It's money. And I think that is an un, an, an untapped resource or um, for officials is the kids that are done playing at a competitive level at 18, 19 years old that could then come back and officiate. And I think encouraging and getting more of those kids 
to officiate. They're the kid, they're the people that are going to have the availability to do it on the nights and the weekends. Now, maybe they don't want to, because I get that when I'm in college, they may not want to work on the nights and the weekends, but you know, you can make, you know, pretty decent money officiating. And it's not always a bad way to, to earn a buck um, when you're in college. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my umpire organization. And I'm still sort of a emeritus member of the Fox Alley blues, which is one of the best officials organizations in the country. Uh, we have a, a youth umpire training program where we take high school kids that have a, a interest in officiating and go through some very extensive training program in the, in the, in the winter and then get them on the field in the spring. Cause that as an official, that's the, the piece that's missing is that guys sign up to officiate. They, you know, whether it's a college kid, a high school kid or an adult, Maybe they maybe it's a, a a dad that's coached youth sports. Oh, I'm going to officiate. They sign up. There's no training. They take an they take a rule book quiz, and then they go officiate a game, and they've never done it before. They're probably by themselves, and they've received no training. Well, figuring out a way to get these people trained. So I, you know, we're small, so we have we don't really have the ability to do it. But I know there's schools in the area that have are intertwining their PE curriculum. And using PE curriculum to, to get kids certified to offic to officiate, and to me that's a path to this officiating shortage is getting young people involved in officiating and saying, hey, this is a great way to stay connected to your sport that you're not going to be able to play anymore at some point. You can get paid to do it. You can do it when you when you want it and when you don't want it. And I look at myself as an example is that I I think I officiated my first baseball game in 1993. So that was 30 years ago. And I've done it on and off for 30 years. So I didn't, I have not, I didn't do a game this summer, first year. And I think 13 or 14 years, I didn't do a game, but I have done it on and off for 30 years. And it's always a, a, a way that, Hey, if I ever feel connection and I need to get on a baseball field, I can do that. If I'm ever in a situation where I need to make, 1500 bucks in a short period of time <coughs> I can I can make $1500 fairly easily in the summer umpiring so I think it's it's a way that getting those kids that are connected to that sport that hey I've played baseball or basketball or football or volleyball or whatever my entire life and now I'm not able to anymore for whatever reason get them to do it yeah, um, and you brought up a ton of, of great points there. I wish you had more time. Um, one thing you mentioned, I've heard this many times, what we tolerate, we allow. Uh, I have a different version that's the exact same thing. Uh, everything we see at your school, everything we see at my school, everything we see, it's either coached or it's allowed. You know, which one is that? Uh, and I'll ask athletic directors, uh, you know, do you coach that behavior or do you allow it? I guess you don't coach it, but you're certainly allowing it. Um, you, and I would tell my coaches, um, Hey, I'm paying you to coach the kids. If you're yelling at the officials, who's coaching the kids? Well, the answer is nobody. Okay. You got a problem with the officials. Talk to me. I'll take care of the officials. Okay. You coach the kids. Uh, great, great stuff. And you're absolutely right. Getting, uh, that next wave of officials. Uh, I'm 65 years old and many times in a three man crew down here in Florida, I'm the youngest guy on the yeah, crew. It, yeah, uh, it, and so again, we need, we need some more officials. Uh, very cool stuff. 
Tim, this has been great uh, spending some time with you, and, and I wish we had more time, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. So we're going to take our final break and hear from Athletic Surveys, who sponsor this. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Tim um, Tim Jackson, I almost said Richmond again. We're going to find out what Tim Jackson is going to put in his new athletic director toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to thank Athletic Surveys for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and it's an affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic directors usually hear back from the 2%, uh, the folks that want to gripe about everything. Athletic Surveys will connect you with the 2%, but they'll also connect you with the 98% that love and support your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to a frustrated parent, your principal, or even your school board. Go to athleticsurveys.com. They're going to create a custom survey that will let you take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes. That's athleticsurveys.com. Check them out today. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting today with Tim Jackson. He's the athletic director at Richmond Burton Community High School, and that's in Richmond, Illinois. Certainly knows his way around the world of athletics, but right now I'm going to challenge him to send out a brand new AD on the very first job, but I'm only going to let him put three items in that toolbox. So Tim, what three items are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? Um, the first one that jumps to mind is making sure that you have a set time to meet with every single head coach on a regular basis. And when I say, you know, regular basis it, it is, but you need to schedule it and it needs to be on the calendar and make sure that it's a priority and it's something that is, that, you know, is your sacred time, you know, with that coach and some coaches will need it, you know, for example, um, you know, one of my head coaches, we have a weekly meeting. I, I, you know, I schedule them at the beginning of the year and I say they're weekly and I send out a calendar invite. And one of my coaches and in season, usually people are pretty good about showing up. And I have some coaches that take the entire 45 minutes and we talk about their sport or whatever it is. And some people call me before the meeting. Hey, I don't have anything this week. You need to meet with me? No, I'm good. Okay. Thanks for checking in. You know, and I have one coach that even like in the off season, he likes to meet, but making sure that you have that meeting on the calendar is really important so that the coaches know no matter what happens, there is a time that, you know, they can nail you down for an extended period of time. To piggyback on that, kind of the to communication with your coaches is that you're, you need to be available for your coaches and making sure that they know that they can reach out to you when they need your help. You know, and I always say, you know, don't apologize if you send me a text on the weekends. Like that's what I get paid for. So I get that people have boundaries and I get that. I'm not trying to say that we're on call 24 hours a day, but you need to be available for your coaches because when you're when things happen, you need to trust your coach that when he re him or he or she reaches out to you off hours, that they're doing it for a reason, that they're not doing it. Well, you know, we lost the Marengo again and it's really frustrating and the official was bad and you know Johnny's dad's mad at me again like if they're calling you on the weekend or texting you hey I need to talk to you that 
that it's important that you need to figure out a way to 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 allow that to happen. Um, the second piece that I think new athletic directors need is to make sure that you're you know visible in the school and that people know who you are and you need to own the athletic department. I always say that being the AD is like almost like you're the, when those kids leave the building, you're the principal. So everything that happens after school is on your watch. So making sure that that people know who you are, know how to get a hold of you, and know that you're responsible for athletics is really important. And the third thing that I would say is, you know, remember why you're here. Remember why you do this. You're doing this for kids and to give kids a, a positive experience and that this is important. Um, you know, the, the best thing, I was really lucky my first year as an athletic director in that my, in the spring, our baseball team lost in the state championship game. Our soccer, girls soccer team lost in the state championship game. Our softball team lost to the state champion in the final eight. So we all in, all in like a two-week period of time. And it was unbelievably busy, unbelievably crazy. We also had a relay team at the state track meet that got second, all in like, it was like the craziest 10 days I've ever experienced in my life. But it was also a 10-day period that was probably the most fun I've had professionally in my life. You got to enjoy this. And, and go like if your team goes downstate, figure out a way to go. You got to be there. Um, you know, it doesn't happen every year. Now, last my first year, it did happen. <laughs> I think I made four or five trips downstate in like a six month period. But those are the the that that's the fun part. That's the part that you know. That's when you're at a you know a a, a basketball game on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night back to back in February. And it's you know, 15 below outside and you're getting home at 9:30 at night, that's the, the payoff is being able to experience those fun things and, and plan the recognition and, and be able to see um, the student's success. And two of the most fun experiences I had was, you know, I was an extra chaperone um, when we went downstate for, for uh, softball, when we went for cheer and just being able to see the kids interact with each other. And I did it with baseball too. It's just, it's a great experience. Just enjoy it. And, and, and you get the moment you, you're, you know, you don't get to repeat all these things. And I always say at the beginning of the each season is these kids only get to do it once. So they, we, we, as educators, like I have a first day, I'm entering my 20th year. It's my 20th first day of, of school. And, you know, these kids, especially the seniors, you know, they only get to do this once. And I think people were reminded in COVID, when some of the things that we took for granted were, were, were halted and kind of taken away from us. Um, these kids only get to do it once. So it's our job to make sure it's, it's, it's celebrated and that it's as a positive experience as, as we can, because that's our responsibility. Yeah. I, I don't think there's another job out there that uh, provides as much fun, uh, true fun uh, that we get. We get paid to go to games and paid to hang out with kids and coaches. Uh, and I love your part about setting up time, intentional time to meet with the coaches. Great stuff. Tim, if uh, one of our listeners wants to reach out, pick your brain a little bit and listeners, I think you got a good resource here. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Probably the, the, the best way is through email which is tjackson at rbchs.com. Um, I checked that pretty religiously. Um, also could give me a call um, on my phone here at school, 815-678-4525. And then I, 
I think I've gotten like two direct messages uh, on Twitter since I set up my Twitter, but usually they're from kids asking me what time the game starts. Um, and that is at, this is Twitter, at Mr. Jackson underscore RB on Twitter. All right. I'm writing that down at Mr. Jackson uh, underscore RB. Uh, Tim Jack- uh, oh, sorry, I had it wrong. At Mr. Jackson underscore RBCHSAD. R-B-C- I don't even know my own Twitter Twitter handle or whatever. There you go. Hey, no worries. Okay. Tim, thanks again for sharing with us. All the best uh, for this summer and with the coming fall seasons. Sounds good. Thank you. For listeners, we do this just about every day, and we upload the Zoom recordings to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening. Come back again next time for another great episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll see you next time.